Welcome to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more body love insight, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide, How to Love Your Body Again, 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the show and episode 41 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. We're chatting with a woman that I just recently met in the online space, but one who has blown me away with her insight, honesty, and authenticity. Katie Delbout is a life coach, yoga teacher, author, and blogger who loves writing and speaking about holistic wellness and personal development on her weekly podcast, The Wellness Wonderland Radio. She helps people develop a healthy relationship with food and body image by embracing a spiritual connection of their own understanding and letting go of the dogmatic rules we hear time and time again in our culture. Katie's beliefs are a beautiful thing and I continuously find myself attracted to her radiating love for miracles and life's precious details. Katie is an authentic woman who isn't afraid to share her own struggles with her audience similarly to what I try to do on this show. Another thing I appreciate about Katie is her belief in vulnerability. It's so important to be honest with yourself when it comes to your mindset and be able to analyze all different aspects of health, especially those beyond the physical aesthetics that the world can see. I was recently on Katie's podcast, so I'll be sure to have a link to that on the show notes for this podcast, but I have a feeling we're going to have such an amazing conversation today, so let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's nice to be, I feel so calm and relaxed on, on this side of things and hearing that beautiful intro, and it's an interesting experience to be connected with you because... I think the world of you, as you know, and even in the last little bit since we've connected, we've become good friends. And, you know, I think we're doing such similar work in the world and have such similar backstories, which, you know, we'll get into today. And I'm sure your listeners will, you know, notice the similarities. But it's it really speaks, I think, to us that we are able to connect and help each other and, and move each other forwards because I think we're we're like we're the nice girls right you know we want to we want to help each other we're we're just really real and want to move forward and i think you know there's i know i've been in situations where i haven't felt the support and the connection and the wanting everyone to win type of feel that i that i get with you and um and i think it really kind of speaks to the way that women girls people should be to one another that's Mm -hmm. how we're meant to be so yeah Yeah. totally like I feel everything you just said I feel the same exact way because a lot of things in life like we're taught to compete 
And mm -hmm. it's really interesting when you cultivate a relationship almost out of nothing that all, all of a sudden you just want to have each other's back and you just want to watch each other grow and to support each other however we can. And like, that's how I feel about you. And I think that this space we've both entered from our past experiences, it's like led us here. And it's so, it's so real and it's so like awesome that we met each other through the things we've gone through. And yeah. like so many beautiful things have come out just from these experiences that we've had. So I'm, I mean, I've considered myself blessed for all of it. Yeah, I do too. And you know, every time I tell my story, I am grateful for it because it brought me here, you know, on your podcast, talking to you and all of your listeners right now and just in general. And, you know, it's, the internet is a is a crazy awesome little machine that can really allow me to handpick all of these cool people across the globe and make real connections with them. And you know, I know Maddie, someday you and I someday soon preferably you and I are going to meet in person and hang out and and who knows? I know there's I I can feel that there's just tons in store for us to connect with and share and do and um and that never would have happened, you know, if we didn't have our, our spaces on the internet. I don't know. Maybe we would have met someday, but, you know, you live where you live and I live far away here. And I don't know if we would have met. So I'm just grateful that I have put myself out there on the internet um, to help all the people who I'm able to help with my work, but also to meet like-minded people like yourself and connect with them and, and collaborate like we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the internet is amazing. So let's go ahead and dive into your background. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so where should I begin? Um, I guess I will start in college. Um, I was in school studying to be a broadcast journalist, and I thought that I wanted to be a TV news reporter and, um, you know, report on the TV. <laughs> and I also at the time got very into health and wellness. I was I started to practice yoga in high school actually and then all through college very very into yoga and so I think that um maybe propelled me to get very into wellness and holistic living and just fascinated by it and it wasn't the way that I grew up. Many people who met me recently just figured, you know, I grew up with like hippie parents eating vegetarian and like nuts and berries and like that was not the case at all growing up. But I, I transitioned into that um, high school, college and um, just started to be fascinated by it. And it was also, and this is similar to your story and we can kind of get deeper into this, but what I realized, and I didn't really, I wasn't consciously self-aware of this at the time, but looking back, I can, I can see this very clearly, that each label I put on myself was another constraint that would allow me to differentiate myself from other people and would allow me to make myself special from my family, from my friends, from the people around me, and to eat in a certain way. And, you know, so I was vegetarian, and then I was vegan, and then I was raw vegan, and then I was gluten-free raw vegan, and then I was like, oh, well, I'm going to cut out grains too, and I'll cut out this, and I'll cut out that, until it's like, 
I wasn't needing anything. And where I lived, where I went to college, like I couldn't buy raw foods or prepared foods or anything that I was like okay with eating um, where I lived. So I had to make all of my own food. And I was like a busy college kid who was like working and going to school. And, and so I like hardly had time to like cook anything, but I would like make the time and I would like spend my weekend massaging my kale salad. And, um, you know, I, I just, I've always been like an old soul. You know, I never, I think I, I, this dogmatic way of living and this dogmatic way of having my diet be in college was such a fit for me because I had such an adverse reaction to the alternative, right? Like I didn't like going out and staying out late and drinking and, you know, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it. You know, I would do it and I would go out with my friends and then, you know, they'd get a pizza and like, I, you know, I did that like when I was, you know, early on in college and I just didn't enjoy it. Like everyone else enjoyed it and I enjoyed the connection with my friends, but I just, I almost think I changed so drastically to have an excuse to not have to do those things I didn't want to do, you know? And um, it was like, oh, Katie doesn't, Katie doesn't do that. You know, Katie doesn't really go out. Katie, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just was like able to like stay in with my special food and do my own thing. And it was, you know, that part of it was really nice. You know, it was like this excuse for me to not have to conform. It was this excuse for me to be like, oh, that's cool that you do that. I respect that. But like, I am all about like veganism and that's my thing. So you know, it, it gave me like a thing so I didn't have to feel like I was wrong for not doing the normative thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anyways, so that was kind of what was going on with food. And I think, you know, I have a very, and I've realized this even recently, like this week, even more, like I have a very perfectionistic, addictive personality. So when I get onto something, I go all out and it's very easy for me to stick to something and um, that was the case with my diet you know and I think even too you know with my friends like I described with the whole making myself different making myself special I think I also really wanted to do that with my family too like you know oh I'm not going to eat the food that's served I'm going to have my special thing that you know I can you know eat and not feel make myself feel bad about after, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it just spiraled. It spiraled very, very quickly. And, you know, the the whole time lapse of it, I it, like I said, it just happened so quickly. I, I, I don't even really remember. But next thing I knew, I was significantly underweight, you know? Um, and I knew I was obviously losing weight. Like none of my clothes fit me. People were saying things to me. I looked significantly different than I had looked you know, a year prior and um, and to the point where it was scary and to the point where my yoga teacher wasn't allowing me to, to practice in the hot room and my professors were calling my parents and um, I was I was too away. I was in like middle school, you know, I don't even want to like say the number, but it was like it was it was scary and um you know and and eventually i i went to the i've never really told the the whole story like this so this is good but i eventually got had was put into the doctor's office and um 
she said, you know, you have to see someone. I, I didn't want to have to go into inpatient treatment. And so, um, but I was also so stuck in my ways, so stuck in my ways of like, don't take this away from me. This being that lifestyle, right? That way of eating. And um, she put me in the office of a dietitian who um, was okay with vegetarianism. Like she would work around my constraints as long as I was like supplementing my eating and eating a certain amount so I could gain the weight. Um, and that experience, I think, was good in a lot of ways because my weight needed to go up um, and it did. However, it got me thinking in a whole new unhealthy disordered way, which was have I eaten enough today? Which I think I still, you know, fall into a lot of the time, like mm -hmm. um, just thinking about food too much. It prevents me from being a normal eater now because while that is the path that I'm on, that is what I'm working towards, I think I have this thought where before it was like, oh my God, I've eaten so much today. Now I sometimes have the thought of, oh, I've hardly eaten anything at all today. I should eat some more, you know, to like whatever. But now I'm at a weight where I'm okay, I'm sustained, it's it's healthier. And so those things don't really matter. But anyway, so that was kind of that story. And um, through that path, let me kind of take you back on how I started sharing this. Um, through that, in college, I started a blog because I loved reading blogs so much. And I had this job where I basically got paid to like play on my computer and do my homework. <laughs> and so I had a lot of time to be on the computer. So I just started this blog um, and I would blog about whatever I was into. And at the time it was dogmatic ways of living and it was, you know, a lot of good stuff. And I, I, there's a lot of great stuff I learned at that time, but you know, I was blogging about health and wellness primarily, as well as other things that inspired me. But at the time, I was really clouded by those things that the blog was kind of overwhelmed by those things. And now it's a bit more di diverse. Um, but it was my wellness wonderland at the time. And, and the great thing about the internet and the great thing about my blog is that it's had many iterations as I've had many iterations in the last you know, five years um, or so. And so it's been it's been really cool to watch it evolve to all the things that I've been into. And so on that journey um, of healing my relationship with food, healing my relationship with my body and food and myself, I was led to all sorts of different things because it was such a powerful wound, right? I think our our lowest bottoms become our highest highs. So that was a low bottom for me. That was a scary place. I was graduating from college, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And the one thing I could control, so I thought, that's a whole nother conversation, was my weight and my body. And so I was controlling that, you know, and I was really stuck in that because I was good at it. I was really good at it. And I didn't want to let that go. And so through that, like I said, you know, I had that dietitian and then I also had many, many coaches and teachers and mentors along the way. And one of them said to me, you know, she was someone who was really amazing and also had a blog. And um, I 
respected her so much. So anything that she would tell me, I would listen to, right? But when it had come from other sources, it was it was not going it was not sinking in, right? It was in one ear and out the other. And so I was asking her questions like, how many chia seeds do I eat? And what should I do? And I just, you know, really scattered. And she was telling me, sit down on a meditation cushion, you know? And she introduced me to Gabby Bernstein, who became my friend and mentor and teacher. And I was able through her to learn about all sorts of things and really it was a big entrance to spirituality and it was a big entrance to finding a higher power of my own understanding and connecting with that. And that was really, really powerful. That completely changed my life, opened the door to me on what I thought was possible as a career path, as a lifestyle and, and as really a way to, to be. And so through that, I realized that I was searching for this I had this conditional happiness and this conditional happiness was my weight being so low and I think we talked about this on on your episode on my podcast Maddie but I when I was that thin and I was you know the triple the double zero that was hanging off of me or whatever it was like I was happy with that on some level, but the thing, on some sick level, but the thing was that that was a conditional happiness and that is not sustainable. And I realized that all those labels I had been putting on myself, all those controlled ways of eating and exercising and living were all ways for me to mask trying to not feel what I didn't want to feel. And I always say this, this is like a big part of my work, but anytime you're overeating or anytime you're not eating or controlling or restricting yourself with food, you're not feeling a feeling you don't want to feel. So anytime you're controlling your food too much or obsessing about your food or overeating food, you're just using that as a coping mechanism to not feel a feeling you don't want to feel. And um, that was part of what I was doing for sure. And then I think the other part was for me, I had really deep rooted and I'm still working through these, but really deep rooted body image issues. And I would never admit this at the time. And this is something that more recently I've discovered and really uncovered about myself. But, you know, these labels I kept putting on myself were really a way for me to control my weight and for me, for me to, I had this huge fear of fat. I had this huge fear of my body changing. I had this huge fear of gaining weight and I just wanted so badly to like be Mary-Kate and Ashley, you know, and like just to <laughs> yeah. like have a certain body type. And um, and then – and that's something that, you know, took a long time to heal and I'm, and I'm still on the path to healing that. And I think as women, we all need to be on the path of healing that every single second of every single day because of the society that we live in. Because the society that we live in promotes one body type and it's a thin body shape. And all day long, we're given images of that body shape pushed at us again and again and again. And while that's one type of beauty, it's not the only type. And 
it makes us think that we should conform to look that way. And the standard of beauty has only included thinness in the last like hundred years. Like we all know, we can all look, think back and think of, you know, the time of Titanic where, you know, a plumper body's size was revered and was looked up to. And that was because that body was harder to attain, right? That body cost money and it was more difficult to attain. Now it's more difficult to attain a thin body shape, a ripped body type, a you know, very toned body. Those are things that cost money. It costs money to go to the gym. It costs money to have a membership to a bar studio or a yoga studio. It costs money to buy your special organic gluten-free food. You know, it costs, costs money, right? And so now we look to that body type as the revered body shape. But beauty is not either of those. It's all of them. It's all of them and everything in between, you know? And so I just was a product of my society. I was a product of my upbringing. And I always felt that I was too big or too, you know, I just wanted to be smaller. I wanted to be thinner. And then when I realized, oh, I can do that? Okay, cool. I'll just do that, you know? It was addictive. And I just wanted to do that. And and I did. And I feared anyone taking that away from me. So... Um, you know, when I realized it was about weight and it wasn't really about health, I, it was a big revelation of like, all right, I have some real conditioning here that I can heal, um, if I want to. And if I do want to do that, I'm going to need to rely on a strength bigger than me. I'm going to need to develop a spiritual connection of my own understanding. And that's what I did through spirituality. And that's the path that I'm on is helping people realize that happiness doesn't have to be conditional. And it doesn't have to be conditional on your relationship or your career or your body size or any of it. You know, it can just be because you exist. And that is the path that I'm on. That was such a long answer to your question, but hopefully that kind of covered all the bases. Oh my gosh. Like I'm almost just speechless. Like I felt like I was just taken on this amazing transformation story. <laughs> and I, I, I just, there's so much I want to say to you. Like I'm just, oh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm so impressed. And I'm also a little bit shocked about like even the more you talk, the more I realize we are alike. Like, just everything you were saying. I'm just over here, like, shaking my head, like, yep, yep, mm-hmm. Like, the whole... Well, first of all, before I forget this... Yeah. There's one thing you said. You said a quote. I don't, it was beautiful. I'll have to go back and listen to it. But it's about, like, your rock bottom. And yeah. it reminded me, actually, of a quote that I had to hang on my... I had to stick on my wall and look at every day... Um, it's by my favorite author. His name his name is Chuck Palahniuk, and he's the guy who wrote uh, Fight Club. Everyone oh, knows no about us, but he is an amazing, yeah. amazing author and tons of books. Very creepy guy, but so genius. Like the things he says are so profound. But there's one quote he said that was, um, "The lower you fall, the higher you fly." And I just ah. thought it was so powerful because it's so true. I just every day I was facing a new challenge of just. Am I going to eat this? Like, am I going to yes. weigh myself? Like, it sounds trivial, but 
uh, like you and me understand, a lot of the listeners understand those are big things when you're going through a transformation. It's like, can I do this? And if you if you don't do it that day, or if you go overboard on something, or if you feel guilt, or if you feel shame, that quote just stuck with me. And it was like, I'm falling low and low today, but tomorrow I'm going to fly and I'm going to go higher. And someday soon it's going to, it's going to be recovery or it's going to be discovery. And it, you know, it, it's just a process of being compassionate to yourself. Yeah. So, you know, the whole label thing, that's something that I, I'm right there with you on just feeling like I'm special. I have my special food. I don't, yeah. I don't go out and drink. And like, that's actually one of the reasons why I didn't do a competition. I mean, that's what I'm sorry. That's one of the reasons why I did do a competition because I needed an excuse not to drink because drinking was making me not lean. And like, okay, if I can like limit drinking, then I can get to that extra special level of leanness. And it was, it's very, it was very hard for me to cut ties with what, how are some of the ways that you went about like letting go of this need to have a label about yourself? Mm. Yeah, no, and this is like therapy because I'm really going into like all the um, nuances of my story and I really told the long version, um, which I don't usually go into in interviews. I just kind of give like top line, but I knew with you it would be relevant with your listeners since it's so similar to your story. But I think, you know, for me, the the reason I've been able to let go of the labels is because I've become more comfortable with who I am. And the reason on the flip side, the reason that I picked up all the labels was because I was so uncomfortable mm-hmm. with who I was. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think that says it all. I think it's like you, I needed to identify with something. And so I thought if I could be, you know, the wellness wonderland girl, I would be safe and comfortable and okay and good enough. You know, like that's what the root of all of this is, to be honest. And probably for you on some level, probably for most of the people listening, like, that is it right there. Like we all have different stuff, but it all boils down to like, I did not feel good enough. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel smart enough. I didn't feel pretty enough. I didn't feel like I was cool enough. I didn't feel like my hair was right. I didn't feel like my nose was right. I just like, I didn't like myself, you know? I just, I didn't feel good enough at all. And there'd be moments when I'd be like, oh, I'm cool. Like, I, I got, like, you know, and it would all be conditional. It would be a grade that I would get. It would be a family member telling me, you know, I'm good. You know, it would be like a friend saying something that made me happy. It would be like a boyfriend. It would be all these external things. I could get glimpses of it where I would feel good enough. And then it would be taken away from me, like, you know. A second later when I forgot about it and I needed like another hit and so I think by putting these labels on it was like it made me feel good enough because it was like I'm a good vegan you know I haven't and I could very easily do that it wasn't hard for me I could I could be a good you know I could throw these labels on myself and be so good at that and then that immediately made me feel better than someone who wasn't right like you know, of course I didn't like consciously think that, but in my mind it would be like, since I eat this way, I am better than someone who doesn't. Like I remember mm-hmm. thinking like I I was so into all of these like holistic health like 
things like food combining was like a huge one for me even now I still like yeah every time I like miscombine my food I'm like oh my god my stomach feels absolutely fine what the heck <laughs> like I'm like surprised I like think it like I should like you know the world's gonna end if I like have you know fruit and nut butter or something you know but um but yeah, I remember like when I was so in it, I would judge people's plates. Like I would just be like eating my food and I would see someone eating like a protein with a starch or I would see like someone having fruit for dessert, you know, for people listening, hopefully you don't know about food combining rules because they're stupid and dumb. But like if you do, um, you know, these things that were like no-nos in the food combining world, I would just be like, oh, why are you eating that with that? You could just, you know, and I would just, I constantly thought that like anyone who, you know, had a body shape that I didn't deem was like okay with society was trying to do what I was doing but couldn't, right? Yeah. Like that's what I thought and I was like, I have this special power. I have this knowledge and this knowledge is power and if I could just show you what to eat and how to do it, you could do it too. I just have all this knowledge because I've read this special book and read all this stuff online and I can do it, you know? And, um, and yeah, and so I think I just got carried away, you know? Like, I was young and I was a child, you know what I mean? Like, I was a kid and I didn't feel good enough and being authentic just myself, so I used this as my crutch to be like, Hi, I'm Katie, you know, this wellness wonderland girl, you know, who's into all of this stuff. And I remember thinking, like, my body had to look a certain way for that to even fly, you know. And and now it's not about that, you know. Now I'm cool with who I am and I actually believe that I'm a genuinely interesting person who has talents and capabilities and worth in the world and do I feel that way every second like absolutely not I still feel insecure and I still feel like sometimes I'm not good enough and I don't deserve to be in the situations that I'm in and I question things for sure but it's the path that I'm on to like truly love myself and believe I'm worthy of everything that's come to me and I'm worthy of the love that I have in my life and the things that I have in my life and the recognition that I get and I'm worthy to feed myself well and I'm worthy to just be in the body I'm meant to be in, not the one that I think society tells me I should be and the one that I can manipulate myself to be so I don't have to, so I can feel good enough, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, it, it just makes so much sense, too, like, living in a world where we are pressured to change and, like, we aren't enough as is. We're just not enough as is. And yeah. the truth is we're more than enough. I don't even like the phrase, like, you are enough. I like to say you are more than enough because yes. enough is a standard of, like, minimum. Like, here you are. You just made it. You're just enough. But you're, like, well you are you no matter what, and, and who you are as a person, it's, I don't care who you are, if whoever is listening, you are so unique, and you have, we're not just, like, put on this earth for, for no reason, like, we're all made for a purpose or a reason, like, it, yes. it, it's, it's there, Great. and when we're so distracted by trivial things, like, 
did I eat 1500 calories today or 1501? Like, Mm -hmm. and obsessing over it. You're spending time focusing on that when you could be learning more about that purpose you've been given and like working your way to fulfilling it and to like, I don't know, just like growing. And you remind me so much of Gabby B and you know, I'm like obsessed with her. I love her so much. But like she said, when I saw her the other night in Denver, she said, um, She's living in the light with fleeting moments of darkness. Moments of darkness. Yes. She must say that often because it stuck with me. And I was like, that's amazing. That's beautiful. And Katie, you you do like, I I don't see you every day. You know, I don't spend time with you all the time. But, you know, a lot of your personality is put out there on the Internet. And it shows. Like, you are vulnerable like I said in the intro like you're just open and you're yourself and being yourself is vulnerability it's saying hey here I am you know if you're not a big fan that's okay if you are a fan come along for the journey but no matter what you know I'm gonna be providing information that's gonna serve you and like that's your purpose and you're living it out and it's beautiful and amazing and like I I don't know I just it it almost brings tears to my eyes just because I've been in that same exact place and for me it wasn't that long ago um just experiencing that like who am I without my label I mean I was vegetarian vegan paleo like bodybuilder lean bodybuilder paleo again like (laughs) intermittent faster calorie counter like I don't know uh, too much uh about me but yeah I I feel you I feel you a lot and since you you brought up like relationships and I know we talked about this on my podcast I mean on your podcast but I want to talk about it on my podcast too because I think we're in similar spots with relationships but give us some insight onto what your relationships were like back in the day and your view on them now today and how they are today yeah, no, I definitely will, but I just have to pick up on something that you said there about um, about Gabby and about the labels, and I think, um, you know, I have to credit her and her the way that she's so authentic and, and real really inspired me that, that I could do it too, and her, she has a quote, it's in, and she said, she says, when people are real, I fall in love with them. And I don't know if that was a quote in her book. I think she might have just like said it to me one time. But as soon as I heard that, I was really in like when I first met Gabby and and started her work, I was at the lowest of the lows, like really like at that the bottom of that spot. And um, her work was so uplifting to me. And I saw so much of myself in her and I thought that, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, the world already has a Gabby Bernstein, like it doesn't need another one. But then I realized that there's so many people on the earth and everyone comes to this information in a different form. Like just it's just like Mexican food, I always say. Like some people like tacos, some people prefer burritos, some people like nachos. But at the end of the day, they're all getting the same nutrients. It's all beans and cheese and Mm -hmm. and corn you know what I mean and so with spirituality and with this personal development and personal growth there's so many forms that it comes in you know it comes in the author that you like it comes in Wayne Dyer Marianne Williamson um, Louise Hay you myself Gabby and everyone's gonna resonate with a different person and so knowing that just was like all right 
there's enough to go around. There, The world needs whatever I have and I should at least try, you know? And mm-hmm. so, and I realized when I, when I heard that quote from Gabby of just be real and people like you. And that was it. That changed everything for me, Maddie. Like when I realized all I have to do is be real and that's going to make people like me. Like it was like the secret and sauce And it's going to make that, you like you. Exactly. And that's the thing. It was like when I stopped trying to be anything, when I stopped trying to be the wellness wonderland, when I stopped trying to be vegan, gluten-free, raw, into this, into that, the girl who works here, the girl who goes to school there, the girl who's dating whoever, like when I was just myself with whatever that was that day, that was not only is that the key to make people like me, it's the key to, it's the only way to have people like you because even when I was trying to be something else and I thought I was doing a really good job, people could see right through that. You know, we all know that. We can see right through it when someone's not real. Like, I can always tell. And when I'm not being real, even if other people can't tell, I can tell. And I feel off. And I almost feel, like, hungover and gross after. Like, have you ever had that experience where you're, like, you know, at, like, a networking event or you're at an event with, like, you know, people with just, like, where you feel off? You know, sometimes even, like, around, like, extended family or, or you're just – you're mm. taken out of your, like, space and you even feel like podcast. you – Even on a podcast. Sometimes on podcasts I interview people – and I don't feel like myself, and then I'm yeah. like, ugh, like I don't even want to like put that up because I sounded so fake, and like yeah. gives me bad vibes, and I don't feel inspired. Like totally, ugh. totally. And you get off of that, and you're just like, ugh, you just I feel like I need a shower. Like I just feel like, oh my god, I was so not myself. Or even you know, it happens to me all the time. Like I'm constantly taken out and then back in, out and in of authenticity, and that's something I learned from a guest I had on my podcast, Jordan Bach, who I met through Gabby, but um, super inspirational dude. Um, I can give you the link to that podcast mm-hmm. to put in the show notes if you want. But he said something that changed everything for me because I, I don't remember what I asked him, but I asked him something about authenticity because to me, he's one of the people who's super authentic in their work and it really inspired me. And he said something that like authenticity is a spectrum and we're constantly going in and out of authenticity. And to think that where to be authentic all of the time, 100% of the time, is a myth. It's impossible. You can't. And when I heard that, it like really took me off the hook because my perfectionistic tendencies even started to come into play with being authentic because it does feel really good and it is really great. And then when I wasn't, you know, if I had a conversation with someone and I wasn't completely 100% myself, I would just be like so mad at myself. And then I realized like, no, that's part of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like the conversation with the bottoms. Like you have to go in and out of it all the time. You're going to go in and out of it all the time. But, you know, the the line that Gabby says, which I think is so profound, is that, you know, instead of living in the dark and having fleeting moments of light, we can hopefully live in the light and have fleeting moments of darkness. And I think that it's the same thing with authenticity. I think the more we live in authenticity and just have fleeting moments when we're out of it, that's a more groovy place to be than living 
fake and having fleeting real moments that feel so good Mm -hmm. when you're having that deep conversation when you're being yourself when you're being real and now the way I live is I'm authentic 95% of the time and it's a very very short percentage very small percentage when I'm not being authentic and when that happens I instantly pivot I instantly get myself back and I feel better um so, yeah, that was kind of a tangent, but we can talk about relationships now. I just thought that was <laughs> No, important. I'm so glad you added that. That was extremely important, very insightful. Yeah. Um, so about relationships, um, you know, I think when you're really into food brain and you're really obsessed with your weight and your diet and your way of eating and living, you can't really do much else. And You know, I gave a lecture this weekend and I said this quote, your body is not your masterpiece, your life is. And that is so profound for me because for such a long time, I was so obsessed with my body that everything else was like the stuff I did in between eating and in between exercising and in between like being obsessed with, you know, those things. And I would just fill my time in between, you know. And so I wasn't really living. I wasn't really present for any of my relationships with my family, with my friends, with, you know, my boyfriend. It was just, there was just nothing there because I was, I had made food more special than any of the other things in my life. And, you know, now as I heal, I know I'm going to handle things very differently and my next romantic relationship that I'm in and I already do so in all of my other relationships with my friendships with my career with my family and I think you know eating is about nourishing and our bodies are incredibly smart and incredibly intricate and amazing and so you know there is that piece of like nourishing your body so it feels good and it can do amazing stuff for you but at the same time pleasure and nourishment of your taste buds is really important too and connection is really important with eating and so I think for me now you know connection with food and eating with people and sharing a meal and preparing a meal and thinking about the taste of the food and how it's going to make me feel is something to consider as well but taste is too and connection and if someone else likes it and you know convenience and all of those things are come into play where before it was all about one outcome and now I take into consideration lots of things so I think um, you know as I heal it it just makes me a better more cool more chill person and that's a whole lot more attractive than where I was. Mm-hmm. And like what about the other aspects of relationships besides food because I don't I, I'm not saying this is me personally but like I mean I for a long time was chasing after perfection as well. I mean yeah. of course like always chasing I mean my book is the perfection myth like I just like would love the idea of perfection and Sometimes I think about it and I wonder if perfectionists transfer that over to relationships waiting for the perfect relationship and Mm. don't invite love in, whether it's a friendship or if it's with a romantic partner, but 
you know, I believe, and I, I, I bet you do too, in, in the law of attraction and like wanting something, thinking about it, focusing on it, loving it, even when you don't have it, will bring it into your life. And with relationships, if you're loving and wanting and dreaming about something perfect, it's never going to come around. So I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling. But I'm wondering, like, have you, do you ever experienced this? Have you ever caught yourself kind of being in the perfection mindset with relationships? Yeah, I've never really thought about that. Um, you know, I think for me personally, I am in a really chill spot with being by myself right now because I am still developing that muscle within myself. I am still on the path to really loving my life fully and completely. And I know that, you know, attachment is what causes us to not manifest what we want. Like the, to, the degree to which you're attached to something is the degree to which it will never come, you know, because mm. it's or it can't make you happy, you know, like really being detached from the outcome and just being like whatever the highest good for everything, that is if you want that as your outcome, if you just want peace and whatever is going to make the best outcome for everyone involved, if that can become your outcome, then that allows the the best thing you could ever dream of to come into your life because here's here's the thing we dream and think and can wish in only a fraction of what is actually capable for us like our human minds are so little in comparison to what god the universe a higher power whatever you want to call it um, what what that force of nature can dream in, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, think Einstein and some of the greatest minds on the planet only did a fraction of what they're capable of, right? So, like, we are capable of so much. We are, like, there's an infinite amount of things that can come into our life and people and dreams and, like, anything we want can come into our lives. But we have to be able to be open to more than we could ever want. So I'm really on the path of like not being caught up in goals and not being caught up in like, I need him to come tomorrow, you know, or I need the book deal or I need, you know, all the clients or I need whatever it is. Like just, just keep it in the day. Like each day, today I just want to feel happy and good and useful. You know, like that is my intention now. And Every day that that can be in my intention is every day I spend happier than if I'm attached to a certain outcome coming into my life because mm -hmm. the outcome might come or it might not, but I still might feel, eh, should have aimed higher, you know, eh, I could have, could have had, I wanted four clients, I should have said seven, you know, or I got the book deal, oh, I should have gotten two, you know, I should have been more, or the guy, ah, oh, could have, you know what I mean? So it's like, just being happy with like let the universe surprise you like allow yourself to just be in this open space and keep your vibration high and that allows really groovy stuff to come in and I've seen it in my life like I have manifested some really amazing awesome things and every time it was way more than I could ever have dreamed of you know and so 
I think just staying open and like right now, you know, when it comes to relationships specifically, I'm my strategy, I guess, um, for what I'm doing with that is I am actively trying to make my life the most passionate, beautiful, amazing, loving, supportive environment. So then that way I'm not searching for that in someone else. I'm not searching for someone else to support me, to take care of me, to... To complete you. To complete me, to give me love. Yeah, I'm just completely complete in myself. And then, you know, someone else can be the icing on the already awesome cake. You know, like, it's already good. It would just be something that would enhance it. Yeah, I love this conversation so much because it's kind of what I need to hear right now too because I get very focused on goals and one thing that I've realized is very unhealthy for me is something that the rest of the world would say is very healthy and that's to-do lists and scheduling Mm -hmm. and like Google Calendar used to have when I was trying to get over my exercise addiction I always scheduled my workouts on Google Calendar. So it was like yellow is always workouts. So I'd have like yellow at 5.30 a.m., yellow at 5.30 a.m., yellow at 5.30, like every single day, like seven days a week. And I am such a perfectionist that I would ha- I would like, like actually checking off that um, off my to-do list like brought me a temporary high. And it felt so good to be able to check something off. And I'd be like, yeah, got it done, did it, done it, like complete, like now it's just for tomorrow. (laughs) And then the cycle keeps continuing. So I had to actually stop writing down, work out like on certain days and just feel it out and feel my body and learning to trust, um, to trust God to do what he does best and just to take away the worries because I know that like worrying is, does not get us anywhere. It runs off what we want anyways, but yeah. Like what what about whenever you're you're keeping those positive vibes up and you're feeling good and you're focusing on just every morning waking up praying for the highest good, going about your day looking for love, not fear and like you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it and what you want deep down inside is not occurring. And and it's it's not happening, you're not seeing it and you start to get a little fearful and you start to to get a little nervous, maybe I'm not doing this right, what's happening, maybe I should be writing things down. (laughs) How do you come back to that place of love and good vibes? You're you're so cute. So (laughs) I have a quote for you, and it's from A Course in Miracles, and I have it actually right here on my desk. I'm going to take a picture and send it to you after the call, but those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Mm. I'll say it again. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. And that quote really answers your question in a nutshell. It's like if you can – you just have to be more certain. You have to be – like the thing that you're clenching to, the thing that you want, if it's not coming, it wasn't supposed to. Like there's something better on the truck or – you know, maybe you don't even want it. You know, like for me right now, like I have no desires and goals. Like, re- like of course, you know, Maddie, you're probably like, yeah, you do. You told me something the other day. Like, <laughs> I mean, of course there's things that like I think would be cool. And like, yeah, I want a dog. And like, yeah, you know, there's these things. But like I don't want it today. 
you know, and I know it will happen in perfect divine timing. Like, I'm just so sure of that. And I can see myself changing and growing. And like, of course, sometimes I don't believe myself, but I just, I just know. I just, my only job, my only role is to be useful, right? To be useful. And if I just focus on being useful and being of service to like not, I don't just mean like online and on my Instagram or at my job. I mean in every second of every day. Like what, how can I be useful today? You know, if you can just ask yourself that question, that's how the universe works. You know, you just are useful to, you know, the the guy at the bank letting them go first because they seem like they're in a hurry, you know, or being nice to the to the person who is clearly having a bad day or giving someone something, you know, just just being a nice person and doing random acts of kindness to just help out, you know, and I think if you just focus on like, what can I do today to be useful? Like if I can just do one thing today to be useful, that would be great. And how can I be useful to myself? Like, what can I do today that my future self will thank me for, right? You know, what can I do today that will make me a bit more organized for tomorrow? And, you know, going back to the whole perfectionist thing, just if if your goal is to be helpful and if your goal is peace, your perfection, that perfectionist part of you will be like, all right, I did it. You know, like you can check it off the list because just it's about since like I have the perfectionist thing too. I think all of us do or most of us do. If you don't, I don't know what that's like because I have it. So like what, instead of trying to like combat my perfectionist thing, what I did was I just changed the goal. So now my goal isn't to, you know, work out every day or it's not like I used to say like as long as I move every day. But then I got really dogmatic about that too and be like, oh, I haven't moved enough today yeah. and I haven't jumped on my trampoline enough and I haven't gone on that walk. And like, and so it was just like, you know, it, it was just silly. So it's like just instead of being so hard on myself for that, just like I move most days, you know, just change the goal. Like just change the goal. That's all you have to do. And like instead of focusing on the goal, focus on how you want to feel. I mean, this is straight up Danielle Laporte, but um, – you know, I don't know if you're familiar with her and the desire map, but it's all about focusing on how you want to feel, your core desired feelings of how you want to feel, not a certain goal. Because, you know, if you make your goal to get in all those workouts or to have a red car, it's like, well, how would you feel if you had the red car? Okay, you want to feel abundant and powerful and whatever. And it's like, all right, well, what could I do to feel that way right now? You know? And, and that's it for me. Like I was so obsessed with, um, you know, why am I not speaking all over the world? Why am I not Gabrielle Bernstein right now? You know? Oh my God. And then I was just like, yeah. no, like I'm not meant to be, first of all, I'm meant to be me. Like that's a whole nother right. issue. But secondly, it's like, no, I'm in this really cool, groovy, in-between space. And mm -hmm. someone who came on my podcast, I think, maybe said this to me. Or, yeah, one of my very first episodes. But she was like, just in – I think I asked her the question of, like, what would you tell your, you know, 25-year-old self or something like that? And and she was like, I would just tell her to, like, 
just enjoy right now. Like your 20s are so weird. No one's fully happy in their 20s because it's like this really weird in-between time where you're like in between relationships and your body's changing and it's just weird and funky and you're trying to figure out like what your purpose is and you're just in between because she said, I think like before 30, no one really knows like who they are. You know, you don't really like fully. And I thought that was interesting. And she said, what I would tell her is just to enjoy right now because you'll never be there again. And when I heard that, it really resonated with me because I realized that like, and I'm sure you've had this experience, Maddie, but like I'll be nostalgic for times where when I was actually in it, it didn't even feel good. I didn't even like it. You know, like I remember like in college, I would be nostalgic for finals and be like, oh my God, that was so fun. You know, when we were so stressed and studying so hard and like, I'd be like, what? Like when I was actually in it, it was terrible and like the worst thing ever, but mm-hmm. you got through it. And you know what? Actually, it was like kind of fun, you know? And so I think just remembering that and being like, might as well enjoy right now because someday I'm probably going to be nostalgic for it, you know? And truth. that. So much yeah, truth. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I think changing the goal and like specifically to workouts, like, you know, I have a lot of workout classes that I like going to. I like going to workout classes, and a lot of them you have to sign up for now. And um, I think that that really makes it hard to exercise intuitively because you know to to meal plan or plan your exercise is so dogmatic in and of itself. And like it's one thing to say, oh, Saturday morning, you know, I want to go to that that you know 5 a.m. yoga class. It's going to feel really good. Well, like even though it felt really good last week maybe this Saturday I'm really tired, but I like forced, I already signed up and I forced myself and I planned my day around it. So it's like, you know, I think that that whole thing can, can be dogmatic. So now I'm, you know, and I'm, I'd be lying if I said I didn't like, you know, this didn't stress me out sometimes even now, but it's like, you know, to sign up for a class and then be like, oh, but I really don't feel like it, you know, or whatever. And then you like lose the class if you don't go. And so it's like, it's kind of a tough thing. It's like, you have to, to, decide intuitively in the moment if you want to go or not um, is hard sometimes because sometimes I'll haven't, you know, moved my body that day and I want to move. But also if I really get honest with myself, I'm feeling really overwhelmed, right? Or for example, and what would actually make, would make me feel better would be to actually just like pump out a little bit of work that I need to get out. Like that would actually make me feel better. And then just like relaxing for the night. Yes. Instead, (laughs) I force myself to like go to the workout class and then I'm still stressed out about the stuff I was going to be stressed out about. And wouldn't it have been better to just like get that stuff done and like eat dinner and go to bed instead of like force yourself to, you know, so it's like, just ask yourself like your, your motivation. It's like, is it because I made that on my list of things to do today? Like, will it really be that big of a deal if I just like don't do the workout today and maybe do it tomorrow or maybe not, you know? And I tend to get that way. Like when I get really busy and like, I know I can't do the workout tomorrow because there's just there isn't time for it. So, but today I also don't feel like it, and so it's like, but you got to do it today because you can't tomorrow, you know. So I get dogmatic and in, in that mm-hmm. way too. And it's like, I really had to catch myself and stop myself and be like, either way, it's okay. Like it doesn't really matter that much, you know. And it's all gonna balance out. And someday I might go to two classes in a day and I may not go for like an entire week and a half. You know, it just doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And Mm -hmm. the more I'm thinking about that is the less I'm thinking about shit that matters. 
Right. Oh my God. I'm so happy you shared that. Like, I'm just, I'm so happy you shared that. I, I have to come back to that place all the time. Just like, okay, I can't work out today. Like in a month, is my body going to really be different from this day I missed? No, not at all. Like it's going to be the exact same. And, and who cares? Who even cares? If it was, There's no consequences. You know? Like something that Isabel Fox and Duke one time asked me whenever I was talking to her about, you know, oh, I'm in this really weird place where like, I want to help other people, but I don't really feel like I'm quite there yet, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I was just being really open and honest with her, and she said something that really stuck with me. It's just, like, she was like, Madeline, I can go to work out or not because there's no consequence to me. It doesn't matter. You know, nothing changes. There's no good or bad reaction. I don't feel guilt, shame, or, like, pride or happiness. Nothing happens. Like, it just, there's no consequence. So... Adopting that mindset, remembering there's no consequence. There's no consequence if I go or don't go. So it was so easy, yeah. and it flipped a switch in my head. And, I mean, to some degree, some days I'm like, oh, I can't go tomorrow. I should really go today. But it's not bad. It, there, there is no consequence for me anymore. Yeah. And I'm so, so happy to be in that place. And, like, my gym, too, you schedule beforehand. And, like, I'm really bad about it because – they're pretty relaxed, like they cap it at a certain number. So it really doesn't matter, you know, it caps at 13 people. So if, if I can look on there and see six people signed up, I don't really need to sign up. I can just go show up and then they'll put me in there. And they're not mad, they're nice about it. And sometimes I need to do that because it's like, I don't know if I want to go today. And if it's like 11.50 and I got 10 minutes right. to get there and I'm like, you know what? That sounds awesome. Then I'm gonna go and enjoy it. But like the, the key for me, was finding something that truly does brighten my entire day. Like, for me, that is CrossFit. And every time I go, it changes something inside of me. It makes me happy. It makes me feel accomplished. makes me want to push myself. It's all about performance, not aesthetics. There's no, like, mirrors around. And there's no judgment. It's a team. It feels good. So for me... That's I should my try it. Place. I want to go with you when I visit. Oh, I've never done CrossFit. You, oh my gosh, we're. I feel so like I would going. die, but I'm excited to try. Oh my gosh, this would be so much fun. No, it's a blast, and it it truly does depend on the place you go to because some places might not um, watch you as carefully as other places and like scale for you. And like my gym, I'm very fortunate. Uh, Ruya CrossFit in Boulder. It's like it's super scalable like if you're not doing something right then they're gonna make it to where you do it right maybe it's a little bit easier but it's ch a challenge for you still so yeah it's just it's just the way I live you know by individuality like everybody is different you have to scale sometimes for different people different levels like that's the kind of gym I support that's the kind I want to go to and like the same with yoga and what you do Katie I'm sure because everybody is different and you experience different things in those moments and like it makes you happy. It makes you feel alive. And that's why you do that. And you're not like running two hours a day. You got to do something yeah. that works for your body. Yeah. I, I gave a talk um, just this last weekend at a, at a bar studio. And I, I the, the entire premise of the talk was, you know, what is your motivation for working out? You know, mine for a very long time was to manipulate my body and to change my body. And, you know, this this conversation to these women, I remember I, w I was driving there Sunday and I was like, you know, are they going to be able to hear this? Like, are they going to, is this going to resonate with them? Or are they going to be like, when is this going to be over so I can just take my bar class and get be done with it, you know? 
And they were so receptive. And all that I was saying to them was, change your motivation for coming here. Like, is your motivation to move your body to help it to feel good and to feel strong? Is it to give you endorphins and make you feel clear? Or is it because you want to check something off your list that you're fearing your body changing or you're wanting it to change? You know, if, if that's your motivation, you're motivated out of fear. And I'm asking you to change your motivation to motivate yourself out of love. So I'm not asking you to stop coming. I'm just asking you to change your why. And, you know, that was something like Isabel um, says, you know, like when she was launching her big program that that she just launched, she like didn't work out at all. And it was fine. But, and her body didn't even change. You know, like it doesn't even like affect it that much anyways. But then after a while, like she craved it and she actually wanted to do it. And not because of like how it would impact her body, but just like the mental clarity and feeling good and getting those endorphins. Like there's something to be said for that. Although we get endorphins from eating too. We get endorphins from, you know, all different things. So, you know, exercise is important and it's good and it's and it's fun, but it's only good if you're doing something fun. Like if you don't genuinely enjoy it, I think it's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. It is, totally. Totally. And, and like to add to that, this might be a little controversial. Um, and this is not the case for everyone, but for some people like in that talk listening, like maybe they're not supposed to be there at that bar studio. Like right. in some respect for some people who need to hear that message and like, you know, sometimes changing your mindset isn't a piece of cake. Maybe that bar studio isn't really their calling. It's not really for them. They're forcing themselves to do it out of fear, out of wanting to change their body. And like changing their mindset isn't that easy. So it's like maybe you need to go explore somewhere and find something else that makes you forget, not just have to change your mindset, but totally forget about like that, 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 that desire to just change your body even existed because you're having so much fun, you know? Yeah. 100%. Um, so we are, I think we're around an hour now. Um, oh, okay. So my last question for you that I ask all my guests is if you were to give one person one tip for strengthening their mind body connection, what would you tell them? Oh, good. This is perfect. Um, because we wanted to talk about journaling and and we haven't gotten to yet. So yeah, that that's my tip for sure. It, it would have been my tip even if we had talked about it. So, um, you know, journaling was my biggest tool for getting to know who I was, right? When I talk so much about being authentic, like I didn't even know who I was or what I liked because I was constantly conforming, you know, whether it was middle school and high school when I was like conforming to be like all of my friends and the cool kids, you know, or college when I was trying to be, you know, the perfect vegan or the perfect whatever. Like, I was constantly conforming, so I didn't actually know, like, what is it that I actually like? What inspires me? What am I into? And I really got to know myself through writing. And I I heard this quote once and it resonates with me so much, and I say it all the time now, but I don't know what I'm thinking 
or how I'm feeling unless I'm writing. And so for me, journaling became this practice for me to get to know myself and for me to sift through all of the different voices in my head and then decide which ones I wanted to listen to. Because we have the voice telling us that you're not good enough, you're not cool enough, you're not pretty enough. And then there's also the voice that's like, no, you can do it. You're awesome. You are really smart. You are abundant, you know? And so I could decide if I wanted to listen to the voice of fear or the voice of love. And by writing that down, I could differentiate and I could see all the thoughts in my mind, let them out of my mind and skim the pond scum away. So like if you picture a pond, I could skim off that top layer to get to the clear water underneath, the clear new thought forms. Because I think Deepak Chopra says we have like 60,000 thoughts a day, but about 50 of them are like the same things over and over and over. And for me, it was like food, something with like a boy and like my work, you know, it was like the same three things on repeat. And if I could just like let those out onto the paper and be like, all right, that's taken care of. I surrender this. I let it go out of my control. What else is in there? What else am I excited about? What else is creative in there? What else is going on? And I could get that out. It became this like beautiful dialogue in this way for me to get to know myself and figure out things. And so yeah, so I wrote a book on it, and my book's going to be published in 2016. I don't know when this is going to be out, but yeah, in 2016, you can buy my book. It's called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling, and it's short journaling exercises to help people do the things that I've done in my journal, but a lot of times when I um, say this to my clients, I'm like, you know, journal, right? And they're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I can't have nothing to say. And then I'm like, all right, I'll help you. And so um, that's a really big, and so I, I used my clients kind of as guinea pigs in writing the books and, and tools that worked for me as well as them. So it's 55 short journal prompts to really open people up and, and get them going. So that's that. And, and then, you know, with, with my coaching practice, I, I do the same thing. So email journaling is a huge part of my practice. So what I do is I'll my clients journal to me and they'll they write out their vulnerable, authentic, totally real thoughts and I'll sift through them and I'll kind of help them become the executive of their own mind, deciding, you know, we've got this board of directors in there of all these voices. I'll help them decide which ones to listen to. I'll pick out the gems in their writing and highlight those and then I'll write them questions to help them go deeper and just kind of navigate what's going on in there. And it's really powerful to be that real with yourself on the page. So I you know, really encourage everyone to do that. But then it even takes things to the next level when you have someone safe, like a coach, like a really close friend, like a mentor, like a therapist who can read through it, who can sift through it and can see what's going on um, through a really loving and outside perspective and lens and help you understand deeper. So journaling would be my tip. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. So beautiful. I love it so much. And where can the listeners connect with you? Connect with me all over the place. I'm Katie Dalebout at Katie Dalebout on Instagram and Twitter. It's just my name. I'm sure Matt, I have the links below. And then online um, on Facebook, I'm The Wellness Wonderland. 
And on uh, my website is the the T H E wellnesswonderland.com so hang out with me there wonderful well oh my gosh Katie thank you so much for joining us I have like this crazy sense of calmness talking to you I told you this before I don't know if it's like your amazing radio voice or something (laughs) but like when you talk I'm like I'm gonna talk really chill and cool back and like I just feel so relaxed talking to you so awesome um awesome story and there's just so much meat in this and I know it's going to be one of those podcasts that even I go back and refer to, to a lot of my, my clients and, um, just future people that I talk to on the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I adore you. I think you're awesome. And all of your listeners, I really like you guys too. So if you really like Maddie's podcast, you'll probably really like mine too. And especially because she's on it. She's one of the guests. So I have a podcast too, the Wellness Wonderland Radio. Um, Yeah, so I just think you are amazing. And anyone who follows your work is a friend of mine. Oh, thank you so much, Katie. Yeah, everybody go head on over and Download her podcast on iTunes, The Wellness Wonderland Radio. It's amazing. You're going to love it. So much insight. And once you get online, after you check out her stuff, head on over to maddiemoon.com and get some more self-love insight by downloading my free book, How to Love Your Body Again. And let me know what you think about it. Um, Give me some insight on your own life. Email me at mindbodymusings at gmail.com. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to the show, and we will catch you next time. Bye.